This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode on Press One for Nick. I'm your host, Nick Lemsdahl, Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. On this podcast, I sit down with customer service and customer experience leaders to talk about their stories, best practices, and lessons they've learned along the way. Let's get started. I'm excited today to have Dave Cherry. Dave is the principal of Cherry Advisory, and he's also advising board member for the Women in Analytics Conference and CBUS Retail, and he's the co-producer at the Digital Solutions Gallery. Welcome to the podcast, Dave. How are you doing, Nick? Thanks for having me. I am doing well. Uh, I guess the first question is, when do you have time to sleep? You, you have a, a ridiculous amount of responsibility outside of your full-time gig. Well, usually, Nick, that's at night. Um, so, <laughs> stock answer, right? But, uh, but to be honest with you, um, I don't actually find that to be, be a challenge. I, I think I might have shared this with you once in the past. Mm-hmm. I typically divide my, my work life into kind of two blocks. I've got the day job, which is the customer experience, strategy, innovation, analytics, all the stuff that I get paid to do. Mm-hmm. And then I have all the fun stuff, which is the community building, which is working with women in analytics and CBUS retail, digital solutions gallery, Columbus Fashion Initiative, a uh, couple other things. And, you know, then I've also got my, my personal objectives, right? You know, working out and running. And honestly, I just live by my calendar. I, I schedule it all. I, I make sure I have blocks at night so I'm not overscheduled. So I have time with my family and my kids and whatnot. Uh, and I just do it that way. And just, you know, I feel like if I do that, I keep balance uh, and I just don't let anything really get out of control. That's a, that's a great way to, to go about life. Uh, one of your specialties is retail omni-channel. Uh, what is it and why is that important? Well, so retail omni-channel, uh, it's one of those phrases that I have grown to dislike significantly. Um, so many <laughs> Thanks of for us bringing have. it up, Nick. <laughs> right? No, it's, it's okay because, you know, it's funny. I, I was filling out a form the other day and somebody asked me for my industry specialization. Mm-hmm. And the only industry, that, they had an industry called omni-channel. And omni-channel goes back, you know, 20 years yeah. when, you know, you were a catalog and then you were a store, and then we had this brand new thing called the internet. And it was, if you actually had the internet and you had all three of those pieces, you were omni-channel. And then all this thing called mobile came along. Because, oh, you better add mobile, and now you're omni-channel. And it really just became this buzzword that, you know, too many people are kind of throwing around. And at the end of the day right now, it's just retail, Right. And so when you're dealing with whatever channel the customer chooses to engage with you, uh, that can be mobile, that can be in your store, not so much right now. Uh, that can certainly be a, some folks still have catalogs. Uh, some folks are doing it through social. Uh, there's yeah. so many different things. And so, you know, to me, that's an outdated term. The term that's much more meaningful and important right now is actually customer experience. And I know you've heard me to talk to this before the most important industry that's out there is the customer experience industry. And it includes everybody who's in retail. If you're in banking, you have customers. If you're in insurance, you have customers. If you're a utility, if you're a hospital, if you're a hotel, 
right? Anybody who has customers, you are in the customer experience industry. CX is critically important. And all these aspects that we used to talk about omni-channel, they matter to each and every one of them. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's great. Um, you know, the one thing that uh, I remember back in the day as, as a kid, um, receiving the massive JCPenney's catalogs. And the first thing you do is, is run through it and circle uh, what I want and put my name and corner, you know, uh, corner of the edge. And um, obviously a lot has changed in, in 25, 30 years. But, yeah. um, you know, when it comes to um, customer experience, uh, you kind of, we started with retail omnichannel and you kind of transitioned to customer experience, which I believe is the right move. Um, who in retail is doing that well? So I, I'll share with you, Nick, three of my favorites. And you just brought back some memories for me, by the way, because I, <laughs> I, I might be a little bit older than you, but I remember doing the same thing when the Sears Wish book came out. And man, that, you know, your, your Christmas list, it was confined to what was in the Sears Wish book, right? Because if it wasn't in that Wish book, I didn't get it for Christmas for about 10 years. <laughs> but when you think about the, the folks that are doing it really, really well, um, they're doing a couple different things. And I'll talk about three examples. But when I talk about them, you'll, you'll hear and, and understand what they do really well. They focus on something that is meaningful to their customers. They focus on something that is unique and differentiating. And it's especially important in this, you know, coronavirus quarantine period. Mm-hmm. Each of these places, they give you a reason to get off of your couch, drive to the location, and check it out. Uh, you can't get any of these things, you know, digitally or through their website. And as, as we fear more and more for our health and our concerns, folks that, that exemplify this are going to do even better. So the first one that I love uh, in New York City is Showfields. You know, Showfields, they start you off. There's literally a bouncer at the front door. Um, it's a low bar to get in. They let me in when I went there. <laughs> it's just fun. They have it. It's almost like Ikea where there's a curated path through the store. Okay. You start off on the fourth floor. You take the slide down to the third floor. So you're already having fun. There's really unique micro shops, you know, different vendors. It's all about the experience. Like they have one, one micro shop and I was there for Tee Public. And it's a TV with an old Nintendo gaming system. And you're supposed to sit on the couch and play Nintendo. And there's like three t-shirts. So it's all about the experience. It's super unique. And then there's one common checkout at the end, but it's such a fun place because it's a destination. I spent two hours there and I didn't buy a thing. Wow. Now that doesn't bode well for their profitability. And I think <laughs> that's still up in the air, but what they've done from an experience standpoint is awesome. The second one that I think is doing it really, really well, and they've created a lifestyle, is Lululemon. They have a store up in Chicago, which is just unbelievable. It's everything from a spa to a uh, workout facility. It's a restaurant. They've got a bar with healthy smoothies. They have on-site health and fitness instructors. You've got every you know sports bra, yoga pant, et cetera. They just immersed it in the lifestyle. And you can take classes there too, right? So you can go try on a pair of yoga pants and go take a yoga class. It's totally, you know, emanating that lifestyle of their attendees. And then the last one, which is arguably my favorite, is Levi's. Levi's created a pop-up in Miami called Levi House. 
out of shipping containers. It was unbelievable. 40,000 plus ways you can customize denim. They had on-site artists that would paint on your denim jacket or your jeans, create a one-of-a-kind experience. There's food and drink and musicians, and it was just so immersive and unique. When I heard about it, I just wanted to jump on a plane and go to Miami and check that place out. And so again, when you think about all three of these experiences, they're not cookie cutter. They're not just, you know, you know, assembly line productions. They're unique. Nobody else is like them. Even the three of them, they're very different in how they brought those elements together to make it a must see attraction. Wow. That sounds pretty amazing. I, I actually didn't expect you to say Levi's, but uh, the more you kind of went into it, uh, it made me want to jump on a plane or actually potentially drive uh, in, in this uh, current time. But <laughs> yeah, Nick, um, I'll send you a link. And, and if you have the ability, maybe we can post the link um, yeah. to the webcast. There's a terrific video that just brings that thing to life. It's really awesome to watch. Perfect. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that's included. Um, so you mentioned these, these top three retailers who are doing it well. What is the risk of not doing this well? Um, so let me be, uh, I'll pull out my grim reaper staff, <laughs> right? The risk is death. Um, yeah. you know, you go out of business bankruptcy, but, but let me tell you how you get there. So when, when you think about the core value uh, proposition of customer experience, it's all about building a relationship with your customer, building connection through common interests. So let's take that Lululemon example, right? The healthy, the active lifestyle, the interest in you know, yoga and fitness and so forth. All right, it's building community, it's building connection. And you get that when you go to Lululemon. I don't get that when I order a pair of uh, yoga pants from Amazon. I just don't get it. I get a pair of yoga pants for, you know, without the, the connectivity. So if you miss that, what your risk is, is you risk becoming commoditized. If you become commoditized in what you offer, then the customer views you as a transaction, not as a relationship. If you're a transaction, you are replaceable, typically by the low cost provider. Enter Amazon, Walmart, China. And again, if Lululemon didn't cultivate that relationship, we can get cheaper yoga pants in a lot of places. Um, and they combat that risk of commoditization by cultivating that relationship and connection. And that's what many retailers, many experienced riders need to do is don't give your customer a reason to switch to the low cost provider. So adapt to customer experience or die. No, well, not, not only adapt, you know, continue to push the envelope. You know, if everybody starts doing Levi houses, yeah. you know, that's going to become the norm. So what's next? Um, you've got to continually be evolving, right? Um, you know, if, if you don't keep pushing, you know, your competition are, if you stand and pat, you're going to fall behind. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, one of the most recent blog posts you had uh, was on delivering a memorable retail customer experience by balancing innovation and security. So how should retailers meet rising challenges to deliver these experiences securely? So I, I love that you found that blog post, Nick. Um, and I love that you said my most recent, because technically you're correct. Um, <laughs> but I actually wrote that post about four years ago, but it's, it's still so, so incredibly wow. relevant. 
Um, but so if you think about this, there's, let's go to both ends of the spectrum. There's two mm -hmm. kinds of customers. Customer A, I will give you all the information out there about me. And I expect you to use that to deliver personalized customer experiences. You know, don't ever show me anything that's not in my size, not in my favorite color, et cetera. And then you've got customer B. I'm not going to give you anything, <laughs> right? Perhaps a little bit paranoid. Um, you know, they worry about handing their credit card to, to a waiter or a waitress, you know, things like that. Um, but the reality is most customers are in between those two extremes and it's contextual around where they are. So if you're a retailer trying to figure out how to balance it, you've got to understand the context within which you're operating with that particular customer. You've got to understand the relationship you have with that customer. Is this a first time customer? Just like a first time relationship, you know, I'm not going to be as forward. I, we don't have, you know, a whole pack of inside jokes, uh, things like that, because we've had a long relationship. So I have to be a little bit more conservative. Once you built up that relationship, you can do more of it. So at the end of the day, you know, it is a balancing act. I mean, in, in some situations, you're going to lean more towards we're collecting a lot of data. And I would absolutely advise folks only collect the data that you need that you know directly impacts critical decisions. Don't ask for extraneous information. A lot of people say, well, I better ask, you know, 100 questions because what if I need that piece of data? I better, I only have one shot to ask it, so I better ask for a ton of stuff. Well, you're creating a little bit of, um, you know, curiosity uh, or skepticism on the customer. Why are they asking me all these things? I don't see any connection to what they're doing. I wonder how they're using it because um, I don't see any application. But if you keep it smaller, focus on smart data, not big data. And then you can tie those data moments to those key decisions that they're impacting. Yeah, do you think it also comes back to, um, you know, if I think of, uh, me as a consumer, and somebody's asking me a ton of questions around uh, security, it's how much um, experience do I currently have with you and how much do I trust you uh, to do what's right uh, with the information that I provide you? Yes, and, and that, that's basically a relationship, right? Think about your favorite brand who says, Nick, I, you know, I, I want to know you know, what kind of car you drive. I might want to know your favorite colors, your sizes, this, that, and the other. Um, and then a brand that you've never heard of says, hey, fill this thing out. It's, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, hey, if, if, you know, if you and I go out, hey, let me borrow your credit card. I'm going to, you know, go to the bar and, you know, buy this round. You, you just hand it to me. If that's somebody you don't know, well, maybe you don't in that situation. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but, but again, think about how you would do that in a different situation. If, if you don't know the person, mm -hmm. you're not going to hand a random person you know, yeah. your credit card or something else of value, you know, think mm -hmm. about, you know, whether somebody wants to, you ask somebody to watch your kids, right? The relationship and the context is critical as to whether you or not you trust that person within the context of that situation. Yeah. And I think it also probably comes down to, and correct me if I'm wrong, but around what am I getting re in return? Is it less effort? Uh, is there personalized experience? Um, and, and I think there could be a bunch of things and kind of what you said is it it's personalized to that specific person on uh, uh, what's important to them. Yeah, there, there's either a, a what's in it for me mentality <clears throat> or when you think about how a lot of companies today are being very, very socially conscious, 
Um, it's what's in it for that social cause, right? So if I can give you information and it can reduce pollution uh, or it can increase your sustainability or other things that are causes that I believe in. So it doesn't directly benefit me sort of from a monetary standpoint, but it does give me satisfaction that I'm helping that cause that I care about. Again, you've got to make it easy for the customer to see that linkage. Yeah, the, the one really cool thing that I saw uh, Zappos doing in this uh, time of chaos that we're in right now is they're allowing anybody to call them about anything yeah. and they're going to do their best to solve your problem and has nothing to do with Zappos. I was blown away by that and I posted it and uh, they responded to me on Twitter saying, yes, have you tried it? Uh, you know, give us a challenge. And um, we've, I've heard stories around uh, somebody was trying to find N95 masks, a hospital was, and they picked the phone up and they made some connections and they found N95 masks for these hospitals that, yeah. that are reaching out to them. I, um, you know, that kind of goes back to being innovative and, and doing what's best for the customer in the moment, even though you can't sell the product today. It's, it's about building a relationship. And Nick, you want to hear something really funny? that rung a bell for me when I first heard about what Zappos was doing. Cause I, so I went back into some old files and I found mm -hmm. a project that I worked on in 2015 and it was a retailer and they were asking me for some really amazing, innovative ideas that could just set them apart. And I didn't call, I think Zappos calls it, you know, anything, any place, you know, ask mm -hmm. anything of Zappos. Uh, I basically had shared that with that client back in 2015. And unfortunately, they said, we don't see how this has any value. Like, why does it benefit us to help somebody, you know, find the closest, uh, you know, donut shop to their house? We don't sell donuts or, or what have you. And what's interesting is in so many other cases around innovation, we've seen this COVID-19 scenario create this burning platform that is lowering these obstacles that internal organizations put in front of innovation. And I think if Zappos tried that a year or two ago, they might've responded the same way that my old client did. But in this situation, they said, Hey, that sounds great. Go just do it. You know, we don't need to see a direct ROI on that. Right. Does that uh, specific person that you presented to now work at Zappos by chance? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, they <laughs> don't um and, and several of them have moved on from this particular retailer but several of them are still there wow yep it's uh it's interesting uh so i i close out the podcast uh by asking two questions um to everybody yep. the first question is uh what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year so i i am gonna give you two answers to this because the, the book that has probably influenced me the most is a little over two years old, but every chance I get to talk about this, I have to. <clears throat> the Shopping Revolution by Barbara Kahn. I love this okay. book. I love Barbara. I've met her multiple times. <clears throat> she just does an amazing way. You, you've got to look up the Kahn Retail Success Matrix. It okay. talks about the four key motivations that customers have around your brand, around service, around value and convenience and how you win in delivering those. Um, now, in terms of in the past year, uh, and I'm glad that you said what book has influenced me, because the answer to that book is influence. 
by Robert Cialdini. <laughs> so a good friend of mine, Randy Dean, recommended yeah. this book to me. And I listened to it on Audible. And it's just phenomenal to think about how we actually influence people, how you better connect to people, how to understand not only to do it yourself, but to also recognize when others are doing it to you and how to use that positively. So it's, it's I always regret that I didn't take more psychology classes when I was in college. Um, and I'm glad I'm not getting graded on it, but it's a great psychology read to better understand not only, not just customer behavior, but human behavior. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I, and I think you, you might have met him at, at the same event, uh, but I got a friend and actually he's going to be on the podcast too, uh, Brian Ahern, and he is one of uh, uh, a, a few Robert Cialdini's um, um, go-to uh, teachers. So, Oh, wow. I did not know uh, that. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to right. introduce you. Yeah. You guys can catch up but, uh, and talk all about psychology and influence uh, for the right reasons, of course. Yep. Uh, the last one is if you could leave a note to all the customer service and customer experience professionals uh, in the world, what would it say? All right. This is going to be one of those. Um, uh, if this is like a post-it note, I'm not going with the square. I'm going to go with the, the rectangle. Yeah, I need a little <laughs> bit more space on this. It could be front and back too, if you need. Awesome. Well, well, here, here's the thing. So think about what customers expect and think about how, um, you know, COVID has changed some of these expectations. So now, and I'll bring Barbara's, Barbara's into this as well, Barbara's uh, thoughts from her book. I don't just expect quality product. I don't just expect a good value or a frictionless experience. All of a sudden, now I expect some level of what I'll call health assuredness, right? So we're starting to see, you know, contactless everything, which I can't wait to see how this looks in a store, Nick. Do I just go into a store and I don't have to touch a thing? How do the groceries get into my cart? How, right. how do they get into my car if, if I'm not touching anything? They just kind of magically float around. I'm like, I need Harry Potter's wand or something. Maybe there's just a butler that shows up at these stores and you I point to Maybe I just go, you know, for the Potter fans out there, you know, Osseo toilet paper, and it just shows up. It'd be fantastic. Um, but, you know, you, you think about this, and again, customers are expecting this, right? So we're now expecting, you know, Boppus, buy online, pick up, and store, mm -hmm. has been replaced with Boppas, buy online, pick up, outside of store, or on-site, yeah. curbside. So we're expecting curbside pickup. We're expecting plexiglass shields. We're expecting masks. We're expecting one of my favorites, extreme cleaning. I don't know what extreme cleaning is, but everybody's doing it. Wait, um, what, what were they doing before? I don't, less extreme. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. And, and this is a, an old, another model that I love. A, a professor, uh, Kano from uh, Tokyo, uh, came up with the Kano model of customer satisfaction. And he said, if you deliver what's expected, there's a moderate level of satisfaction. The only way to achieve exponential levels of satisfaction is to go above and beyond the expectations. So as we think today, I need curbside pickup and you know extreme cleaning and all this, that's just what we're expecting. So don't just to deliver that, go beyond. You know, think Showfields, think Levi House, think Lululemon. You know, what can I do to deliver what, what is relevant that the customer would have never expected, create that surprise and delight, create that exponential level of satisfaction. And when you do that, 
you create that connection with the customer. You get further into relationship zone and you stay out of transactional zone. And when you do that, you've got a high customer lifetime value for a really long time. So that might've been three post-it notes, Nick. I, I kind of went on for a little bit there. So, but the good yeah, thing about post-it notes, you can kind of post them together and <laughs> it kind of looks like one. <laughs> well said. I, I, I did, wasn't specific on the post-it notes, so I'll, <laughs> I'll let it slide this time. Uh, but uh, Dave, I appreciate your time uh, to uh, join us on the podcast. And uh, where can our listeners connect with you online? Uh, so probably the best thing to do, you can, you can check out my website, you know, cherryadvisory.com. I'm also at Dave Cherry on Twitter. Um, but I'd also invite anybody to find me out on LinkedIn, you know, reach out and connect and let's just have a conversation. Happy yep. to do it. And thanks for having me, Nick. I really appreciate it. Yep. Sounds great. Have a good one. Appreciate it. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm Nick Limsdahl, and until next time, focus on the customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, and visit cxofm.org for more resources.